Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners. Just wanted to tell you a little bit about this episode coming up today. We're going to be talking to Dr. Theo Kunin, and he's from Portugal. And they're putting on a seminar this summer. It's going to be in Lisbon, Portugal. Um, we have the link, but it's going to be in the show notes. So if you go to drdonmcdonald.com and look at the show notes, there will be an ever bright link in that on, on the show notes that you can click on. Because I know you're probably listening to this in your car and uh, we didn't have a link for the actual episode. So I wanted to make sure to refer you back to drdonmcdonald.com so that you can look at that link because we're talking all about this awesome seminar he's putting on in um, Lisbon on July 5th and 6th this summer. So I really would like everybody to attend. So make sure you go there and you can get the link on how to register for this event. Now enjoy the show. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host. And uh, today I, as I often like to do, go to different countries, go to different places. And today I get to go to Portugal and I get to interview Dr. Theo Kunin. He graduated from Parker College of Chiropractic in 1999. And um, he's hosting a big seminar in, in Lisbon, Portugal, this coming summer, and we'll be talking about it throughout this event. So if anybody, any chiropractors out there, you want to go to a really cool place, I've never been to Portugal before, but I've had tons of patients come back who said that they've been there and say it's amazing. So book your summer travels and listen hard for this uh, rest of this podcast so that you can get the information and, and book it. So welcome, Dr. Theo, to the podcast. Thank you, Don. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. This is so cool. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into the, to your story because I, I don't think, were, were you at Cairo Europe when we were there, when Brandy was speaking? Yes, I was. I was yes. there. But we never got to meet you though, right? Actually, I, I went to talk. I think I, I saw you at the very end and I said, hey, Don, my name's Theo. And we just, I had to walk away really quick. It was just one of those really short uh, snap kind of, kind of meetings. But we met one time in Rome. We met oh. when people came to Rome. Yes. It was at the restaurant that everybody went to after the hotel. Oh, no way. And then we had the wine oh, bottles all the thing. Like the, the, the pictures of wine. <laughs> that was that's great. That's how they do it. That was in 2009. Yeah. I think exactly. That's, that's, that's when I first met you guys. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. Yeah. So uh, that's that's great. Well, and it's funny because then you contacted Brandy about asking her to speak. And so I said, oh, this is great because I like to get uh, the story of the vitalistic chiropractors that are around the world that are helping to make a difference, not only in their practice, but also with leadership and stuff. And, and we've heard you've been doing some great things. So I can't wait to get into the story. So to get started. Okay. How did you even find out about chiropractic? This crazy profession? How did I find out about chiropractic? Well, uh, it started somewhere back in Florida when I was about maybe nine years old. My dad used to work in a roofing contract, a contracting type thing, and he hurt his back. And he went to a chiropractor, and the chiropractor told him the chiropractic story, thankfully. And it was very short time. We all were going into the chiropractic office getting adjusted, and the chiropractor told my dad, he says, you know, you should be a chiropractor. And interestingly enough, my dad was one of those guys that they, they told him, his guidance counselor said, don't even waste your time in college, you'll never make it. Um, so my dad went back to schools, providing for a family of, uh, we were five, and he worked his way through school, 
graduated wow. from school and became a chiropractor. And, and after that, you know, having grown up with it and, and seen not only the effects that it had in my life, but really once you start to get to know the philosophy as we were kind of talking about in the beginning, yeah. it just is something that really made sense to me. And, and I, that's the path that I have to go. And so did you decide like, in, it was in high school. Was there a time where you said, I want to be one or were you tossing it around? Like I know some children of chiropractors are like, I don't know if I'm going to be one or whatever. Was there a time or did you just know you were going to be a chiropractor? I think, I think for me that I don't want to say that it was a hundred percent certain from the time I was like nine or 10 years old, but you know, that when you're taking that pre-med route, you think maybe medicine or your veterinary school or, you know, something like that. But I didn't really like the idea of blood and, you know, I like to talk to my patients though. I kind of figured chiropractic, that's the way to go. And if you really want to, you can just get certified in animal chiropractic and then look after them that way. <laughs> and we do awesome. get the occasional dog that wanders into the practice and we adjust the dog. So, I mean, there's no, there's no problem with that. So, I mean, that's awesome. Animal. And so how did you pick Parker for uh, school? Once again, followed in my dad's footsteps. Uh, not a whole lot of imagination there. Um, <laughs> it was close to home. And at the time, you know, I really did want to go to a school that was centered on philosophy. I think one of the things I really liked about Parker at the time was they, they taught a lot of different techniques. Um, yeah. they, had, they had a great campus and a lot of instructors that I knew. Um, you know, maybe if I had to make a different decision now, I might, but I'm so happy with the education that I got. And I kind of filled in the blanks, you know, once I got out of school. Yeah, totally. And so um, when you were there, like, how was your experience at, at Parker? Um, did you go to Parker seminars and do all that kind of stuff too? Oh man, Parker seminars had to be the, the best perk that I think they, they gave all their students. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first Parker seminar, I still remember, you know, getting to be out on the dance floor with Dr. Sean Powers and meeting <laughs> like Zeb Meyerowitz and Dan Golden and, and Sigafoos. I mean, not yeah. too many people get to say, you know, like at Cairo Europe, being like, I was with Sigafoos and, you know, it's just pretty cool to have fit to rub elbows with Demartini and all these greats. And so, yeah, we, we got that experience and we got to go to Parker seminars and, and we took advantage of that every, every opportunity we got. That's cool. Cause that's where me and Brandy cut our teeth in chiropractic too, was in the, in the good old days. I think the first one we went to was in 2000 in Vegas. Um, uh, and, and again, saw Martini and Sigafoos. Those were the first two big ones that Brandy had seen when, when she wasn't even, I was just dating her at the time. And she thought that our profession was insane after seeing Martini and Sigafoos. She's like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> If she didn't think it was crazy before, she definitely thought it was crazy after that, right? Yeah, that's totally <laughs> hilarious. That's funny. So, so you graduate in 99. And, um, and, and so what did you do afterwards? Did you go right away over Portugal? Or how, how, did you, how, how did you end up getting to Portugal? That's crazy. Well, I bounced around a little bit. Um, I, I had some different job offers. I, I went to work in, in, in Texas kind of locally. Then um, I done some CJ Mertz seminars in school and I really liked the idea of sort of the managed practice and and higher volumes. And then I went to work for a guy in South Texas who had about a 500 and some practice visit per week and kind of cut my teeth in in on that and and really learned a lot from him. And then went up to Wisconsin for about a year. Things didn't kind of work out there. Went back to Texas. And oddly enough, I mean, I just, I can still remember watching the show on TV and I'd never even really heard of Portugal except for maybe in history class. Yeah. I thought it was probably some province in Spain or something like most people. <laughs> a little geographically challenged there. Yeah, I was. Um, so I was watching, um, watching the show and they just showed Portugal and I just, I remember looking and I go, this is such a beautiful place. It's so amazing. How could I not even know this existed? And I'm not kidding you like two weeks later or my dad came and said to me, he says, Hey, I know this guy 
he's looking for somebody to go to Portugal to do a locum for him. And we went out, I, I, I said, okay. And you know, so I, I got the chance to go out and talk to this guy, worked for his, worked in his practice for about two weeks and extended my stay for another week, went home, sold everything I had and came back here with two bags. And I've been here ever since. No way. That's so cool. And so, so like when you're in Portugal at the time, cause you, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but you, you at the time you probably didn't have a law or anything, right? Was it, was it legal? Or no, I remember, I remember the chiropractor likening it to the wild west or I think some of the words that he actually used was, it's kind of like you're a drug dealer. You know, he's like, you're a criminal, you know, you're basically doing something that's totally illegal. There's no law, there's no license. Um, you can't, you can't give financial receipts, tax receipts, anything like that. Wow. And basically you're operating under the, under the law or outside of law, I guess you should say. And, and it was really, it was really scary. I mean, I can even think without going into too much detail about other countries, but like Spain right now, they're, they're going through a, a horrible situation. Um, even I, all the listeners, I would encourage, there's a petition on change.org and sign that petition because the minister of health there is trying to outlaw all non-medical professions and chiropractic is one of those so what's that what's the website for that again so, so people change change.org and um i can send you the link and i'll get you the link for the petition but it's just one of those things that i, I think this is the time where chiropractic needs to step up and we need to support our brothers in spain yeah totally. and, and they can have anybody sign it from around the world right, that they yeah, don't have to be living with in these spain. internet petitions with these internet petitions it's anything will work as far as I'm okay concerned. that's cool yeah so make sure you guys do that help the help our brothers and sisters out there in spain so, so you, you, you come over to Portugal, uh, with two bags and, um, and so how did, what did you do? Like, did you just look for a job or how to have a well, table? I, I had a job. I had a job with this. I had a job with this other chiropractor. He had offered me a job. And once again, as fortune would have it, um, things didn't necessarily work out. And I think it was about a week after the first week, he says, you know, I don't think this is going to work out. And I just remember being devastated and, you know, we talked a little bit and there was some tears and some hugging and he says, well, you know, you can stay in the country if you want to. And I said, I appreciate that. And uh, so <laughs> I had, a, I had a guy who, who helped me out big time. He let me sleep on his floor in his living room and he says, I don't like washing dishes. So if you can do that, uh, oh, wow. that place. so I stayed there for about two months and the gym downstairs from this guy's apartment had a, had an empty room and there was a lady at the gym and she was complaining about, uh, like symptoms here in her liver gallbladder area. And she said that she was going to go get an operation. I said, why? And so, you know, they had this clunky old massage table in this, in this room. And you know, this wasn't very responsible. Please don't try this at home kids. But <laughs> I, just, I just laid her down on the table, found a vertebra somewhere in the middle of her back around T8, T9 and adjusted that thing. And the next day she came in and she said she was fine. Wow. Now, the funny thing is this lady, she came in and saw me about three years ago. So this was, this was 15, 15, 14 years ago, said she's never had another gallbladder symptom. And yeah, this lady just started referring clients into the office. So, um, and that was how, that's how I got my start. So, so you, so you basically just had like one room with a massage table. Is that how you started? That is it. One room. (laughs) Wow. And so it was probably about like, if if I'm using American dimensions, it it might've been maybe seven and a half feet by 10. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so See, no windows, fun. just the door that you opened up and there was the table sitting there. That was it. That was my yeah. Well, that's thing. That's, I think that's a lot of thing. It's a good, good note for chiropractors. You don't have to start off with this whole crazy overhead. You can do, you can start off nice and small, right? 
Now, did you, did you even have any area for like a telephone or anything like that? Or, or no, did you? No, not at all. So how did you even grow? Like how did, how did the first couple months go in that situation? Well, the first couple months was, you know, it was crazy because there's also this other little problem that I sort of had other than, you know, practicing in a country where the profession was illegal. I didn't speak the language either. <laughs> so, so here I am trying to get this practice off the ground. I'm trying to communicate this completely foreign idea to people that don't really understand what I'm saying. And people are just coming in because that, you know, one lady had a miracle, then another person started feeling better. And then the next thing you know, oh, this new guy's in town, you got to check him out. And so, you know, I'd get phone calls all the time on my cell phone and, you know, it was just a matter of answering the cell phone and, and trying to be able to handle it. And eventually I did get an assistant. Yeah. They could speak the language. Cause it'd be hard if they're trying to book an appointment and you hadn't even like, you don't even know what they're saying. Well, I really, it really forced me to do, to learn language. Uh, you know, it was, it was something that I, when I first got here, I just remember walking around downtown Lisbon and, and people were speaking this language. And I just remember thinking to myself, this is impossible. And I'll never get this language down. And I dedicated a lot of time. I, I really, I probably studied an hour and a half a day. I would go for runs and walks and I would just say the same word over in my head until I felt like it sounded right. I'd make people speak with me at all times. And I mean, I just really immersed myself into the culture. Wow. So and was it, were you, were you, were you kind of lonely? Like, cause it was just, it, were you just by yourself or? Well, at that time. I'm, I'm a more of an amiable personality, so I like to be around other people. So I'd be like, and not even be able to speak the same language. I'd be like, that sucked. Plus, you, you don't, you have no income and you're a brand new chiropractor. I'm like, dude, that'd be tough. Well, it was, it was kind of cool because I did have some, I did have some cash that came from the other chiropractor because when I did the locum from him, he paid me when I got back to, when I came from Portugal. So I had some, some cash there to get started. And thankfully the people that, that were doing me the favor, they, they were Portuguese from South Africa. And so there was a pretty good core group of South Africans. Uh, eventually, one of those became my wife. So um, no that way. was um, that's cool. She didn't, know it, she didn't know at the time, but you know, I kind of worked over. Finally, <laughs> you were very strategic getting in there. <laughs> I had to wait. I had to like lay and wait, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, totally. uh, but yeah, I mean, they spoke English, and and that was a tough thing in the beginning because you know, for them, they speak both languages, and for them, you know, as I'm trying to stumble my way through the, the language, they they, they try to speak. Like, no, 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 you got to speak Portuguese with me. And so, yeah, it, it, it did happen. And it, and it took probably about six months to get limited conversational skills and then another six months to get fairly fluent. But it was a lot of work in the beginning. Wow. And so because you had to work at the same thing, you had to work at learning the language and then also trying to grow your, your, your practice at the same time. Now, did you, how long did you stay in that one room space? Did, did, how long did it take you to get kind of filled up in that little, little seven by 10 room? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, it didn't take long to get filled up there. The, the thing was, is that it took a little bit longer to find another place to move to. And right. I, I would say that, that we were in that little teeny room for maybe two years. And yeah. then we went from that and we, we bought a practice or we bought into a practice that had two offices, one office in Lisbon and another office in like a little suburb, not too far from where I live now. And that's where we've been pretty much ever since. That's cool. So two years in, that's when you bought, you bought that practice. And now is that with co-owners? So you had like multiple owners in that practice or did you just buy it outright? Well, the idea that the, and the, and the guy also Canadian guy, really cool guy. Um, he told me he wanted to sell the practice. He said his whole uh, initial idea was he was going to buy this practice, revive it because it was kind of limping along. Yeah. Um, and he was going to revive it. And basically he made me a, a deal, laid everything out right from the very beginning and said, this is how it's going to work. And you know, 
I, I always tell people, you know, if you look up integrity in the dictionary, this guy's picture's there. And cool. I, I just I just still really have a lot of respect for him and, and what he left for me because he gave me a great transition and the practice just maintained. It really kept going really well. That's great. So then you took over sole ownership of it then. Yep. Yep. And now we've got we've got two other docs working with us working with us in the office. And you know, growing pains have their their little uh, fun parts too, which we're kind of yeah. passing through that now. But it's it's just part of the the, the struggles and the trials that you know it's like going to the gym. You got to get a little sore to get big, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no doubt. If there's no pain going on, there's no growth. <laughs> well, you must be going for a lot of growth right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, you're like, I'm to be powerful. Um, so just curious. Um, a lot of times we have the three different levels of practice, and so you know, there's some chiropractors out there that might just be starting their practice. <laughs> And, and now that they, if they're living in a place that speaks English, they should know that they already have an advantage. <laughs> but big, what, big. what were some of the things that you did um, to grow your practice from the beginning? Because there's some people, you know, they'll be listening to this podcast that either just graduated or just starting or just really plateaued and need to grow their practice. And what did you do to get the, the, the message out there, even without speaking the language? I know you got referrals, but what, what kind of things did you do? Well, I think that like most chiropractors or hopefully like most people, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. Yeah. And I think uh, we were also talking a little bit before about the shiny objects. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think it's, I, especially when, when I got out of school, you know, I was just looking for that, that thing to buy or that seminar to go to that was going to transition you and make you into this, this thing. And it, it sort of happened to me much later on when my practice got, got bigger was when I realized that, you know, it's kind of who I've got to be um, and, and really start investing time into that. And then you were, then I was able to put a lot of these other tools, you know, um, one of the things that I, I really, and I don't want to do too much promotion of anybody else, but I've really, really enjoyed uh, the, the communication skills that I've gotten from like Bragg Milwaukee and, and the art of the clothes. It's, it's yeah. a great way to talk. And, you know, so those things helped me. Uh, probably one of the, the biggest things that helped me grow my practice was going on TV. Oh. And so we've, we've been on national or international TV here in Portugal, like about five times. Mm-hmm. And it just was like a, it was like an explosion, you know, Oh, really? almost unsustainable for a while because it was like, you'd have a workshop that was just totally packed and, you know, it was like, we need another person in here to handle some of this flow. But, yeah. So the, those, those things are pretty cool. But then aside from that, you know, we, we do a lot of workshops. We spend a lot of time and energy on communication. And I think that that's one of the places that the seminar is, is probably why I designed it or, or try to get the speakers to go to the seminar that I did because it's about communicating. It's about communicating people's values, communicating so that people can hear what you're saying and not just hear a bunch of words so that it actually sinks in and, and is valuable to them. And, you know, I think I wasted a lot of time and a lot of opportunities when I was, when I was younger as a chiropractor because I was trying to ram something down their throat that maybe they didn't want or, first of all, they had no idea why they would even need it. And so oh. that those are some big mistakes that I made in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And I think I did, we did, we did too. And, and um, like part of the stuff we talk about is the same sort of thing is that, you know, we've learned everyone's looking for the perfect script, right? So you have the same first visit, same second visit. doesn't matter who's in front of you. You're just, I call it the spray and pray where <laughs> you just like yeah. spray the same thing and hopefully something sticks. And, um, and, and again, I, I haven't been to that seminar, but I'm pretty sure it's the same stuff, that, the same similar stuff that we're doing where it takes more effort up front because you got a ninja, how are you going to do your report of finance or your second visit, depending on their personality style, what their values are, like all, all the things that are going to be important to them so that they can actually make it re- relevant to their life, right? And if yeah. you can 
learn those skills, that that's just where it sticks. And, and what you say to one person might be slightly different than what you say to the next person because everybody's different. And just like us, if we have a conversation with different people, we're not going to say the same things to everybody. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even sound good. It wouldn't really make sense, would it? No, that's, that's totally true. Now going back, cause again, we always get a lot of this on the show and even with chiropractors we work with, this can be a challenge is you talked a little bit about the B. Um, and this is the thing about, uh, with new chiropractors, um, where they're, they're trying to learn what they can do to work on their B, which is the hard thing because it's actually being not doing. Um, so in your, um, experience, how did you kind of learn how to work on your, on your being? Um, oh man, I knew you were going to ask me that question. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> I was like, you opened that can of worms. I like, yeah, that's great. Cause we all, now, we need to hear it in different angles, right? Because a lot of people yeah. are like, how do you change your B? And, and I think, I think the B I've heard it said a lot of different ways. I, I think your B is always there. I think it's, it's finding your B that's, that's really important. And, and you know, a lot of people talk about purpose and a lot of people talk about the why a lot of people talk about all this kind of stuff. But for me, Definitely, I, I remember talking at a seminar with Jay Hant, and he asked me, like, what's your why? And I remember rattling something off, and he goes, well, that's not a why. And I was just like, <laughs> here I am in front of the whole seminar. I was like, and I, and I sat there for a second. Really? I was like, you're right. You're right. I was wrong. You know? um, but I, I, think, I think concentrating on my B, um, I've done some pretty, some pretty cool um, sort of transformational experiences. Um, I did a... I think that Mark Hudson is calling it the vital experience. Now it's a, mm. I did inner winners with Chuck Ribley. Um, just, just a lot of things. And I, I listen to audios a lot. And for me, it, it's just about really when you get to that place where you can separate yourself from sort of the outcome and you're just focusing on loving those patients and not really worried about whatever else is around you. And that's when I feel like I'm being the best that I can be, you know, when I'm focused on my adjustments and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but all those other extraneous circumstances aren't there. And it, and I also would encourage everybody that's working on that, that it's a, it's a, it's a journey. It's not a destination. I, I don't think I've found my B yet. You know, I'm still working on it. You're like, so, uh, it's okay. I'm bead. I'm good. I'm yeah. No. Yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah. I've done, been there. Beat that. You know, I beat that. <laughs> that's hilarious. I still, got, I still got a long way to go. And you know, it, it just, for me, that's part of the fun of it too. You know, it's, it's like, like I mentioned before, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm not ashamed to say that we're in a transitional process right now. And, it's frustrating, you know, because it's like you go from a certain number, you go down to another number and then you're looking at your practice going, what's going on? And it's like, I know there's something happening here. And, and you just look around and, and, and you're like, okay, I need to find the answer. But sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes you have to spend a little time searching or spend a little time getting quiet, meditating, you know, getting there in that place where you can say, take a deep breath. And, you know, so well, that goes on to the next thing too. Like we always, we always kind of hit the level. Some well, not always, but some people hit the level of burnout, right? And so sometimes you know we've we've been we've kind of got maybe past that first hurdle in practice where we got things rolling, but then we sort of like things kind of get a little bit crazy. And has there been any time where you got kind of burnt out in practice and just kind of wired? And and if you did, what did you do to get back on track? Um, burnout. I don't think I've ever gotten burnout on practice. I'd have to say that just adjusting people. And I, you know, I, I remember listening to one guy and he says, you know, it was just like a romantic idea and you know, I just want to die by the table. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't know if I want to die by the table, but I think it'd be kind of a cool way to go. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I really do love adjusting patients. And I think, you know, on an egotistical level, which I think all of us have a, a somewhat, I like seeing those good results. I like seeing those, those cases. They don't have to be miracle cases. They can be somebody who simply can 
now tie their shoes or, or walk up the stairs or it can be that kid who doesn't want their bed anymore or yeah. the, the lady who got pregnant. I mean, it, it can be those cases. And, and, and for me, I, I get up in the morning, I get up stupid early in the morning and you know, my wife looks at me like I'm crazy and people that my patient like, why do you go to the office so early in the morning? And I'm just like, because I want to get ready for you and I want to be here and I want to be in the right state when you get here and I want to give you the best that I can. And, and for me, I think that is what helps keep me from burning out. It's just that, you know, once again, the extraneous circumstances can be there, but if I get that time where I can adjust and I can, I can be in that time frame where I'm just adjusting and and doing really what I felt like I was put on this planet to do, um, it's very fulfilling and it's very recharging. That's cool. And so tell me a little bit about that routine then. So is it kind of like a daily ritual where you just get to the office early? What kind of things do you do before the first people start coming in? Well, I do a couple of different things and I, will, I won't say it's daily, but I'll, I will say it's uh, at least uh, during, the days, during the days of the week. I mean, on Saturdays and Sundays, uh, you know, I, I do take some time to chill out. I mean, yeah. my wife does like those mornings where I can spend a little time and cuddle and stuff like that. So, you know, my kids like to goof around and stuff. So um, when I get up, I, I get up in the morning, you know, do all my hygiene stuff. And then I just head off to the office. Um, I'll do some guided meditation on, on focus and adjusting. And then I'll spend some time on a, on a cervical wedge, <clears throat> do some exercises to kind of loosen myself up. Mm. And then I'll spend some time basically in, in, in gratitude. And I mean, um, what I really like to do is, is just spend about 20, 30 minutes and it gets pretty minuscule, you know, like I think I'm thankful sometimes that I have a tiled shower, you know I mean? It's just like all those little things that, that we'd so take for granted and, and you know, yeah that so many people maybe in some parts of the world don't have. And I just want to remind myself that I need to be grateful for that. And that's, you know, grateful for the patients that are here, grateful for the patients that aren't here, grateful for all the situations around me. And, and it just helps me start the day in a, in a totally different state than if I had to, you know, fight traffic and get cut off by people and run through the office. Like I had <laughs> <laughs> No, that's uh, that's super helpful. Now um, I just, I, you just made me laugh because I remember a Parker I went to uh, Louise Hay was speaking. And, uh, and she talks about when in the morning she's thankful of the toilet paper, like she's thanking everything, including that. So I thought oh, that's good. You get right down to well, it. I'm not the only crazy one. I'm not the no, only, you're not the only crazy one. <laughs> now, um, now the next phase, uh, have you, well, first, before we get to your leadership, have you always been on that more vitalistic aspect of chiropractic or has, has there been a time where you kind of drifted more into the pain based, um, pain based aspect? We'll talk a little bit about that yin and yang in the profession. I, I think that because of the exposure that I had, I, I mean, I actually, when I look back, it was funny because I think when I first started at Parker, I remember we had to choose a, a student association of the ACA or the ICA. And I just remember because of the influences that I had in the beginning, I thought those ICA guys were a little bit crazy. But now that I look at it, if I had to go back again, I would have done the ICA. But at the same time, I got exposed to CJ Mertz and I got exposed to this sort of idea about, you know, that there was a philosophy about chiropractic that, that Unfortunately, at our education in Parker, we didn't get a lot of it then. And, and what we did get was diluted or it, it just didn't, we didn't get the, the thing that we got somewhere else, you know? Right. And, and, you know, I was able to get in touch with that. So for me, when I got out of school, I always wanted to have this idea about vitalistic sort of chiropractic that, you know, at least in the, in the essence that we weren't trying to correct pain, we were trying to correct a problem and that problem took time and we need to educate you on how long it's going to take. And during that time, you'll probably notice that you'll feel a lot better in other areas because we're turning the power on. Right. And so that's kind of how I got out of school and got started. Like I said, went through a couple of different practices that, you know, some of them were doing that and others weren't. 
And at least then when I got here, you know, I've, I've had some pretty, you know, miraculous type experiences um, that, that really helped reinforce that with me too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, well, that's cool. So now we'll get into the leadership part of it because um, you start off in a country that chiropractic is not even legal. Uh, tell me about the, the journey of, of chiropractic in Portugal and kind of, and then we'll end up getting to talking about the seminar too, but just tell me about how the, how that actually, how you guys, cause you said you, you guys got a pretty, a pretty good law that you developed with subluxation in it. And it's a vitalistic law. Tell, tell us how that evolved. Well, I can't really even start talking about the law unless I, I mention the name of uh, our former association president, uh, Antonio Walsh. That guy has worked and is still working tirelessly um, for the, for the chiropractic profession for um, even legal battles of students that are now coming in having to deal with getting diplomas recognized. But this guy, he and, and the, the small team of chiropractors that were here, they actually had a law that was published in 2003. Oh. And interestingly enough, the government had 180 days, they had six months to, to regulate the law, and that took 11 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that, that took 11 years, and you know, in that time, I, I joined the association, and I eventually took part and became part of the, the, the leadership of the association. Um, and, you know, we've been working on the new version of that law, which got us also exemption from having to pay sales tax, which some countries in Europe don't have that yet. Um, you know, and those were, those were scary times. I mean, it was like, can you imagine like you go to your practice and the government could come in at any time and take away basically your whole year's gross income and then charge you back fines and interest. And that was uh, the penalty. That was the shadow hanging over our head for probably about the last, uh, we've had the law for two years. So if we go back four years before that, that was a danger for those four years. And I mean, it was, wow. Scary times. Jeepers. And so that just recently changed then. Was it two years ago that that, that, that law came through? Two years the law came through and recognized chiropractic as a, as a profession. Um, also recognized several other alternative or non-conventional therapies, as they call us here, um, as professions and regulated the professions. So as it stands now, um, Portugal's not like it used to be when I came here. All you had to do is basically show up and, and pop open an office and you could start practicing, which you know, that little room in the gym was great for that time. But you know, now, now we have laws and we have regulations that you have to adhere to. And um, we've had one chiropractor who was facing criminal charges because she didn't have the license. And, you know, she had just got here and she was practicing, but, you know, she didn't have the license. And, and the government says, look, you either face the court or you got to leave the country. And she left the country. So. so now do you have to write a board exam or anything like that? Or how, how, how would someone get into Portugal? Uh, to get a license at this point, getting into Portugal is still handled uh, exclusively by the government. So mm-hmm. um, what, what they're really doing is they have a set up of rules um, and basically they have to go through a couple of experts, which are made up of two people from the chiropractic association. And those people will go through and make sure that the people are, are either real chiropractors or they're not real chiropractors. And so in a way we still have a little bit of a finger, a little bit of the pulse about what's going on, but I think there are some cracks that could, that people can slip through and we're we're really trying to do everything we can to work with the the government to deal with that because um, we've been lumped in with, like I said, all these other professions like osteopathy and acupuncture, Chinese medicine, et cetera. And they're not as unified as we are. They're not as organized as we are. And there's definitely a whole gamma of courses that these people can take. I mean, 
there's some chiropractors in Brazil that are practicing here that I, I've looked at the course um, syllabus and basically it's a, it's a course of seven days. Oh, geez. You know? And they're calling themselves chiropractors and things, you know, but it's just a matter of, you know, if and when the government does find out that it's not going to go well for them. Mm -hmm. So how many chiropractors are in Portugal right now? now? Approximately. Um, it's difficult to say. Uh, we, I think there's approximately 40, 45 maybe. And wow. of, of those 45, we've probably got about 35 in the association. So, Oh, that's cool. So, so tell me a little bit about, um, this event you're putting on. <laughs> okay. Let's tell a little bit okay. about the seminar. How did it come up? Like, how did you come up with the idea for the seminar? And then we'll go for next. Um, event. Uh, how did I come up with the idea for the seminar? Well, I've started, I started toying around with some seminars. Um, a while I, I, I don't, you guys know Mark Hudson. So I, I yeah. brought Mark Hudson into my office for like, what he, what he was doing at the time called a, a one day intensive seminar. And we put that on Mark stayed at my house. It was kind of fun. It was really informal. Um, then the next seminar I did, we did a fundraiser for the APQ and for the development of chiropractic in Portugal. We had Brad Glowacki out and we, we, we had a much bigger attendance there. Yeah. We've done two seminars. We're going to have the third seminar with John Minardi, Minardi this weekend. Cool. Uh, and then in between there, we, we got a functional neurology screen with Michael Hall. Oh, nice. Yeah, we've got Michael Hall coming and doing the whole series, the four module series in January and March. So 2019 is going to be a busy year for us. So <laughs> I say, I say for us, but I should say for me, cause I, I mean, I, I'm not very good at delegating things. So I've kind of taken this whole seminar thing on by myself, which is not very smart, but, um, uh, we're, we're getting it done. And so how did this seminar come on out, come out? Because I, I, I said, you know what? I think a multi-speaker seminar would be cool. Uh, I was meditating one day and I just thought, you know, we've got these seminars where so many people come to a seminar and you know, it's either a science seminar or it's a rah-rah seminar or a philosophy seminar or a patient management seminar. And you know, then there's further divisions in that, you know, you'll, you get the DCs in one room and you get the CAs in one room and then they get on the plane when they go home and it's like the CA is like, Oh, our speaker said this and DC is like, our speaker said this. And the two are kind of like, yeah, they're all disconnected. That we're trying to work on. And so what I, what I thought about was I was listening to these, all these audios and they were talking about communication. And I said, well, why don't we get some of the best communicators in the profession together with some of the best people that are talking about science and evidence and we have them get together and we call it communicating the science of subluxation. Ooh, that's sweet. So what we've done is we've put together a multi-speaker platform and I've really been blessed in the sense that a lot of people have said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think Portugal has something to do with it, but you know, they, they've said yes. And you know, we've got a fantastic, in my opinion, list of speakers. My, my associate keeps saying to me, she goes, it's the dream. It's the dream. You know? <laughs> so I think that at least by her, I've done well. So if you got one person in the audience, we know that we did well. You, sure. you know, you'll, 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 yeah. One person will be satisfied for sure. <laughs> so basically what we, what we've done is um, we, we put together a 16 hour program a uh, 16 hour program that'll happen on Friday and Saturday. So that way that if you want to get to see a little bit of the city on Sunday, or you're going to stay up a little late at the gala dinner, you know, having a glass of wine or two, you don't have to worry about missing any speakers. I've always felt bad for the uh, Sunday morning speakers. Cause I, just yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it's never good to stand up there and then look at that empty front row, you know, and go, Oh, they're still in bed. You know? so, 
Well, and, and plus too, it's nice that, that people on the Saturday night, because we always call it the seminar after the seminar. It's so nice just to get together with all the other docs and just hang out and have a good time because you, yes. you almost sometimes learn sometimes more because you're integrating what you learned during the day, right? So that's, that's awesome to be able to have that event of the night. Agree 100% with you on that one. <laughs> so, so tell me, who, who are the speakers coming just so people can get, a, get an idea? Okay, let me make sure that I got this here. I'm just going to click over here to my email real quick and look here because I always there's there's enough of them that I'll end up forgetting one. Well, we know we know one speaker that's coming. There's no doubt that we're going to have uh, Brandy McDonald. Yes, I, and I heard she's pretty good, so you should just sign I, up. I've heard, I've heard she's okay. <laughs> she's got some pretty good ways of, of communicating subluxation, so I thought she'd make a good addition. <laughs> um, as far as uh, another another good communicator, we've got uh, Matthew Loop. Who oh is, yeah. Uh, the author of Social Media Made Me Rich. We've got uh, Martin Harvey. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Oh, he, man. He's, the, yeah. he's my buddy. He's my buddy. Uh, I'm pumped. I'll be more pumped because I get to hang out with Martin. <laughs> you know, and so we've got uh, also another great communicator. We've got Dr. Alex Badan. Oh, um, cool. So he's going to be there. And then more on the science side, we've got Michael Hall, who's going to be speaking about a lot of great stuff, I'm sure. Uh, he's my man. Dr. Pam Jarbeau, who I thought initially would come and talk about communication, she says she's got a pretty amazing science uh, presentation on subluxation. That's awesome. About that. Um, I couldn't have a seminar in Europe without having Mark Hudson there. I, oh, I, for sure. The man. Yeah. So he'll be talking to us probably about communication, but I, I really don't know 100% what he's going to present, uh, present. And then I've got two other guys that are going to speak. Um, I don't know if you know Ryan Ryder. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, he's been on the podcast too. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he was on the podcast. And then another guy, another buddy of mine who's really good, and I, he's just got an excellent way of looking at uh, – he's a philosopher who studied um, a couple of the liberal, liberal arts and presents uh, on a very specific way about words and what they mean. His name is like Travis Corcoran. So ah. he, he's going to be a nice addition to the seminar. So we've got a great platform of uh, some really good variety of speakers, I think, that's going to just uh, be one of those things we knock out of the park, hopefully. That's great. So um, can you share uh, the website? Because I know people will be like, oh, I want to go to Portugal this summer. So, so what's the actual dates? The dates, uh, July 5th and 6th. It's a Friday and Saturday. Yep. So July 5th and 6th. Uh, seminar is going to probably start around 9 o'clock because we do want to cram in eight hours. But because it's Southern Europe, we also want to make sure that you get your two-hour lunch. Oh, and yeah. So that, that's another, <laughs> that's another uh, area where hopefully the docs and the, and, the, and the attendees of the seminar will have a lot of time to interact. Um, it's one of the things that if I can put a little plug for Kyrie Europe that I always really thought was just amazing about that seminar is that you got to rub elbows with so many cool people and, and really just get a lot of that sort of post or outside of the room experience, which many times it's, it's tailored just for you and, and you can get those pack the bag moments, take home. You could go home you know, after lunch and, and you've gotten your money's worth out of seminar. So yeah. we want people to have a lot of those moments too. That's all. Oh, that's awesome. So, and if people are flying in, you just fly, you can fly right into Lisbon and the hotel would be how far away from the airport ish. Um, Lisbon, Lisbon has one airport, so it's easy to fly into. It's not a big airport. Mm -hmm. um, the hotel itself is right next to a Metro station. So if you really wanted to go on a budget, um, the hotel is a, is a five-star hotel. So that's not on a budget, but the rooms, we got, we got a good, a decent rate for the rooms. So that's awesome. Uh, a beautiful place. And the, um, the cabs in Lisbon are inexpensive. Uber's even less expensive. And it's probably about eight, nine minutes from the airport cab. That's ride. awesome. It's great because like, some people might be worried, you know, because if they don't speak the language, is it easy to get from the airport to the hotel? 
and most most people i mean most people in portugal that's another thing um my grandmother always used to joke to me she says oh you know she said people said oh you're dutch you speaking and she says she says you speak english because of course i'm dutch you know and, and it's like most portuguese people uh, you know, speak a relatively reasonable amount of english so especially in lisbon now with the tourism that we've been having lately you should be no problem it's a very easy city to travel around yeah that's awesome now what's the what's the website so that people could look up uh to register well, uh, I'm going to have a link for you that I'm going to pass down below. The, the website that we're going to give is going to be a link on Eventbrite. So I'll have that for you in the link down below. It's just kind of lots of numbers and letters. So I'll, I'll make sure that instead of me trying to mess that up, I'll, I'll give it to you. Okay. That'll, that'll be easy. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It was, it was nice to hear your story and, and hear about all that history of chiropractic in Portugal. Um, what I like to do is I always like to leave the last couple minutes just for uh, – for my guests just to share their parting words of inspiration. You know, we have the underdog nation out there. A lot of chiropractors who feel like they're an underdog or they, you know, they might feel like they're not doing that hot in practice or, or maybe they're just driving to work and want to get a little jazzed up. So what, what kind of parting words would you like to leave the, the people of the world out there listening to the podcast? Well, I think if, if I had to say one thing, I mean, obviously it's great to, you know, be connecting with, with everybody out there. And, and I know sometimes we have a tendency to feel a bit isolated sometimes be alone. Um, just be connected with your patients and, and make the most of that experience because I think that there's, there's nothing better than, than turn that power on and just being able to see the change in people's lives. And yeah, we need to go to seminars. We need to keep in touch with our colleagues, but we also need to be there in the right state and the right, right place of mind. So, you know, just make all the effort you can to do that and, and give the greatest adjustments you can. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So people, if, if you're, uh, if, if you're having a hard time finding a link or you're just on the, on, on your phone, um, just look up Theo's name on uh, Facebook too, because you could you could connect through Facebook Israel well, as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, Underdog Nation out there, we lot, had a lot of uh, cool points that we hit on this podcast, and uh, you know we really don't have too much of an excuse to not work on growing our practice when we actually can speak the language. Because you can imagine. <laughs> Working in an illegal area where they might randomly come in and steal all your money for the year and you can't speak English or you can't speak the language and even chiropractic is sometimes hard to, harder to explain even to people who speak English and you're English. So, um, so if, uh, if Theo can get out there and rock it out, I know you can too. So everybody, like always, get out there and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.